Hello and welcome to another episode of AdventuresIn.net. I'm Sean Claybo, your host, and with me today is Caleb Wells. Hey, Caleb. Hey, y'all. Hey, we missed you for a week or two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good to be back. Yeah? How's things in the down south New Orleans? 80 one day, 40 the next, and uh, busy. Wow. (laughs) It's not like it is out here. That's our winter weather. You can't see out my window, but yeah. T-shirt one day and uh, jacket the next. Everybody's got a cold. Well, I'm still jealous. I'm still jealous. (laughs) We've we've got about two feet of snow, so. Okay. (laughs) All right. Yep. And also, we've got Wailu. Hey, Wai. How you doing today? Good. Any rain show up yet down there? Yeah, we had a lot of rain, I think, yesterday, actually. So that's really, really good for us to sort of firefighters to fight the fires and all that stuff as well. Good. So our guest today is Tomas Hersek. Hi, Tomas. Hey. Hey. How are you Thank doing? You are fine. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Hey, folks. This is Charles Maxwood, and I just launched my book, the Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there, the Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. I, I don't know if you happen to listen to any of the shows that we had before, but on an early one of our shows, I actually had uh, the topic for t- today, .vvm, as one of our picks. So it's something that I've looked at in the past, and it's because my main project that I work on is a, a .NET Web Forms application. So, And I really want to bring, a, bring it up to date. So we'll go through that. But first, why don't you tell us about yourself, what you do, where you're from? Sure. So my name is Thomas Hersek. I'm from Prague in Czech Republic. And basically, I'm running a software consulting company, which is located here in Prague. And I'm also Microsoft MVP and founder of uh, .vvm, which is an open source project, uh, which is part of a member of uh, the .NET Foundation. And me and my team, we have spent uh, more than five years building uh, building this stuff. So I will be able to talk about this during this episode. Well, first off, I, I have a question. What what spurred you on to come up with .vvm or to create it? What's, uh, what's the impetus for it? Okay, so the story behind .vvm is that my company was working with ASP.NET from very, very first versions. Mm-hmm. And we had quite a lot of applications built on ASP.NET Web Forms. We also did something in MVC. And because five or six years ago, uh, there were a lot of requests for more interactivity in the user mm-hmm. interface, we started playing with Knockout.js and also with AngularJS, the first version of Angular, which is not recommended to be used today. Uh, <laughs> and, knockout, right? <laughs> um, we we uh, liked the MVVM approach of Knockout.js, mm-hmm. so we settled with uh, Knockout.js, but uh, very soon we found out that basically we are writing a lot of uh, JavaScript code that only takes some data from the API and pushes that in the user interface or doing the same thing in the reverse order. So grab some data from the UI and send it uh, through some REST API. And it was quite a lot of code, and we didn't like writing it. So we were started wondering about how we could get rid of this code. And 
the universal answer for every software problem is to add uh, another layer of abstraction. So we started building up a simple framework that would basically generate this boilerplate code in JavaScript from our C-sharp objects because the objects transferred through the API, they were defined in C-sharp and basically we weren't doing many transformation. We just took the C-sharp object, converted it to the JavaScript and use it in the MVVM page. So that was the motivation for us. And at first, I just packed up a very simple demo of the core of the framework, and I didn't even think about it as something um, to be used in production. I pushed it uh, on uh, GitHub. Then I was speaking on some conference, so I showed the demo because I was very enthusiastic about that. And people liked it because, uh, basically, I was able to, with just HTML and C Sharp, I was able to do client-side interactivity in the web pages. It was some sometime at 2014 where .vvm started. So that's, uh, that's the motivation. Basically, we wanted to uh, use Knockout.js or some other JavaScript framework, but we didn't like writing the JavaScript code. Very cool. Kind of Blazor before Blazor. Yeah, kind of. I was uh, very, very happy when uh, Blazor came out because I see that there is somebody else who also thinks that writing uh, web apps with just C-sharp and having the technology take care of all the JavaScript stuff. So I think that this idea sounds and it will be very popular in the .vm Mm -hmm. community, sorry, in .NET community. But I think that there is some cost with Blazor in Mm -hmm. terms of the amount of data transferred so it will take some time until this technology is uh, universally uh, available or applicable. But right. yeah, the direction is uh, is very similar. So do you have a plan for .vvm to also have like WebAssembly support as well in the future? Well, we are uh, right now. We are waiting where the WebAssembly uh, world will go because it's still quite uncertain for me mm. how many people will be able or be wanting to to use WebAssembly-based technology. But yeah, if uh, if, uh, if WebAssembly is the main way on the on the web in the future, I'm sure that we will be able to port. .vvm to get some advantages of WebAssembly. Right now, we don't need it because we can just do the interop in uh, in an other way. Basically, the, uh, the developers can uh, write their view models in C-sharp and we can translate them to JavaScript. So we don't need WebAssembly. Okay, right so... So when you do modify the like a state in the view model, so is it like is it like like Angular where it's kind of stored all on the client side and there's like a shadow DOM that's that's modifying the, the you know the, the DOM I guess, or is it more like you know traditional MVC where it would actually do a post back to and then and then refresh the like an AJAX callback or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's an MVVM approach, and the view model is uh, quite hybrid because it lives sometimes on the server and sometimes it's on the client. When you first enter the page and you send HTTP GET, the VVM will generate some HTML and it will create a view model C sharp object on the server, so you can connect to the database, populate the view model with some data, and things like that. And then .vvm takes the view model and serializes it in the JSON. It will be embedded in the HTML, which goes to the browser from the server. So mm. the browser can 
just use the HTML. It loads the Knockout.js, which we rely on. We are based on Knockout.js. And take the JSON representation of the view model and converts it to the Knockout.js representation of the view model. And mm -hmm. uh, Knockout.js can do the MVVM in the browser. So whenever anything changes in the view model, it will be applied in the UI. And also, mm. if you write something in the text box, it will go to the view model automatically. The two-way data binding is handled by Knockout.js. When you, for example, click the button, we will do reverse operation. So we will take the client-side view model, serialize it in JSON, send it to the server. And on the server, we the original view model, view model the C-sharp object, is basically resurrected and populated with the client data. You can call your methods and do any changes in the view model you like. And then we just serialize it back to the JSON and send it to the client. So the view model goes up and down and up and down. But mm. from the developer perspective, you are just interacting with your C-sharp class. And of course, there are, there are a lot of optimizations. You don't need to send the entire view model then and forth, because it could be uh, quite large. We are basically only diffing the and sending only the things that uh, changed. Mm. So who's the who's who's the target audience here? Is it for new applications, or is it for people that are have current web forms applications and they need to migrate it up? Because .vvm is that full framework or core or both? .vvm supports both full framework. We are supporting 4.5.1 and uh, newer, and also .NET Core. And I think that there are two main use cases for .vvm. First is building new apps. And I think that this is uh, nice for everybody who loves model view, view model approach. So basically, WPF developers, Xamarin developers, everybody who was using model view, view model, and who thinks that this approach can work for his or her application, then uh, I think that if you like MVVM, you can try .vvm and you will be satisfied, I think. And the second scenario is uh, migration of uh, web forms apps uh, to .NET Core, because as uh, we all know, there won't be any other investments in uh, ASP.NET Web Forms, and Web Forms are not supporting uh, .NET Core. But still, there's a lot of uh, applications, there's a lot of developers who uh, are familiar with the Web Forms approach. Since some things in .VVM were inspired by Web Forms, and we have also uh, quite similar controls. There is grid view, there is repeater, and things like that. So the learning.vvm for Web Forms developers is quite easy. And we have a migration path for Web Forms using .vvm because .vvm supports .NET Framework and OWIN and can run side-by-side -side in a Web Forms app. So even if you have a large web forms application, you can install .vvm and it will be running side by side. So you can even write new pages in .vvm while the old pages in web forms, they will still work as is. And there is a single sign-on and all kinds of integration you will need. The migration path basically allows you to start rewriting the web forms pages into .vvm pages one by one, so the application can still be compiled, it can be still deployed to the server. After you get rid of all 
web forms dependencies, you can just switch the project to .NET Core because .VVM is supported also on .NET Core. And you don't need to rewrite all your business logic because it can stay as it is. There is just a refactoring of code behinds into the C-sharp view models. So you mentioned Owen, mm-hmm. right? Which is uh, kind of a, a previous version of identity, basically, right? Before .NET Core, before they started rewriting it. What if you're using Entity uh, Framework 6 or right, something along those lines with web forms? Is that going to the transfer? You're going to have to make changes there or, or will that work? Will the transition work successfully? EF6 is supported on .NET Core 3.0. So if you migrate to .NET Core 3.0 and you are using using Entity Framework 6, you should be fine. Uh, There is actually one thing that can be more problematic, and it's WCF. Because uh, WCF was open sourced, and I don't know what's the current state, but some things from WCF, the server-side part, some parts of it runs on .NET Core, but I'm not sure about all the features because many of them were very tightly integrated to specific features. So if your application is using a WCF, it can be uh, problematic, but all other things were migrated to .NET Core, so I think that uh, you should be able to use them. We actually have uh, one uh, uh, web forms application. We have uh, migrated to .NET Core, and it was using EF6. We had just to upgrade to EF6.3 because this is the only version that is supported on .NET Core, but it, it works for us. And also, there is a little bit hidden option of .NET Core, you can reference .NET Framework Assembly from .NET Core application. So if there is something that is not portable to .NET Core and you are running on Windows, you can just uh, make a reference from a core project to framework project. It won't be multi-platform, but it will still work on Windows. So it can also help uh, with the migration process. I'm actually quite curious about that because I, I haven't worked on web forms for a little while, I guess. But yeah, I'd imagine there'd be so many applications, like legacy applications that are in web forms that will probably, you know, if, if, you, if you're going to do anything with them in, in the future, you're probably going to have to start thinking about .NET Core. My main thing is thinking about, yeah, because like, I mean, one of the design decisions that they made was to essentially not use system.web at all just because that's, that's very Massive. coupled with um, IS. Right. Um, they want it to be, you know, cross-platform and things like that. So, yeah, just curious to see, like, is, is simply just getting rid of the old ASPX pages and things like that enough to, to have not have any dependency on system.web or are there other things that we have to worry about when we, have, when we do that migration or that upgrade? No, well, there can be, there can be some things. Uh, of course, if your application is uh, properly separated into layers, you mm-hmm. will have uh, much less issues because uh, you shouldn't uh, be interacting with system.web from your data access code. But of course, I have seen a lot of web forms yeah. applications and all those SQL data sources in, in the view. So yeah. this will need to be rewritten. So this might uh, mean more work. But still, mm. the main advantage is that you can do this incrementally. So you can, if you have a, an app, old application with thousands of pages, you can start one by one. And even if you replace just 10 pages and the rest is still in web forms, the application will 
uh, be still working, it will be deployable. So you can span this migration process to, let's say, a year or two years. And during that, together or in parallel with standard maintenance work on this application, you can do the migration. You don't need to just stop touching the old code and start yeah. writing everything everything again because it can take years and I have seen a lot of web forms applications which were developed for more than 15 years and it's not possible to rewrite them in less than half of the time or something yeah. like that. So it's a painful way, but still oh, yeah. it's better than a complete it, rewrite. Well, no, I mean, I actually, I think this is a, a good path forward for a lot of web forms developers. One question that comes to mind, and like why, I haven't used web forms in a while, but I do remember, right, web forms had their own HTML template stuff similar to MVC, like a grid view or a, a table data set or whatever, right? Does .vvm have the equivalent? Do, does it have one-to-one tooling similar to web forms? It's not exactly one-to-one, but okay. uh, most of the controls that were in web forms are covered in, uh, in .vvm. We okay. have a simple page, .vvm.com slash web forms, and there is a comparison sheet of uh, how you do okay. the same thing in web forms and how you can do the same thing in .vvm. But the most frequently used controls like web for, uh, sorry, like a grid view or file upload or a repeater, or all the form controls for editing data, they are present there. We haven't done the login controls, so the, the, the things like change password wizard or things like that, because I think that most people didn't like the default templates and they made their, their forms uh, by themselves. So we didn't port these controls, but there are more than, more than 30 controls in .vvm and most of them are copies of the web forms one. They don't have all the features, but they have the most necessary things. Gotcha. So for so developers out there that have only worked in web forms, what are the differences in the concepts? You know, how how hard is it them to be able to, to switch their minds from that web forms controls and post back and view state over to the MVVM type of you know concepts? I think that the view model is the fundamental difference because it basically means that you have to use data binding, which web forms developers are familiar with, but you have to use the data binding for everything. You cannot just type textbox1.text equals something. You have to have a property in the view model that would be bound to the control. So uh, the, the biggest change for the web forms developers will be that they cannot uh, interact with the controls directly through their properties. They have to use the data binding. So I think that this is the only, only big difference. The other things are very similar. We have also master pages and all those concepts, they are quite similar. So I think that every web forms developer will be quickly ready to use it. The only thing they need to adopt is uh, the view model. Uh, so basically, it's a, a C-sharp class uh, where you have uh, properties which represent the state. So everything that is dynamic in the page, everything you need to uh, display in the page or change at some other time, it must be represented as properties of the view model. 
there are also methods in the view model which can be triggered by buttons or by changes of something like, for example, selection changed in the dropdown list or something like that. So basically, you need to learn how to write the view models and you have to be careful about the view models because they must be JSON serializable. So you shouldn't do circular references in the view models and uh, things like that. Yeah, it should be uh, something that can be converted to JSON, basically. But the methods inside the view models, they never go to the client, right? So they can be whatever you want, is that right? Yeah, the methods, they, are, they remain on the server. They are not uh, translated. Uh, we mm. only translate the data binding expressions in uh, the pages. So if you, for example, want to do, and I remember when I was using web forms, uh, for example, you have a checkbox. And based on whether it's uh, checked or not, you want to enable or disable some other field. So you can do it uh, via postback. So you will post the entire page to the server when you check the checkbox and you will get a new page where the text box is disabled. But thanks to the MVVM, you can just bind two controls and because these data bindings are converted to JavaScript, uh, this won't require postback. It will happen immediately thanks to the Code.js. So we translate some parts of C-sharp code in JavaScript. Of course, mm. it can be only simple expressions. We do not have any sophisticated engine behind that. It's mm. just simple transformation. Basically, it works only for expressions, not for uh, method and imperative code and for loops and things like that. But the methods in the view model, they still they they stay on the server. Okay, I'm imagining that there's not this, this massive you know, view states and all that stuff. Then or? no, no, no. Uh, instead of uh, view state, we have the view model because it has the same purpose. Yeah. It persists the state of the page, but the view model is your own class, and you mm. are in control of what is present, what is stored in the view model. Any property mm. will get serialized. So if you want to reduce the size of the state, just do not put the property there. Yeah, because you are in control of what's there, not the, the old cryptic view state field. Yeah. Nobody knew what's inside. And it was, <laughs> every time it was bigger than you want yeah. this to be. Yeah. So now you are in control of your own state. There is uh, also one new feature we uh, added into .vvm recently, and it's called server-side view model caching. Basically, we can cache your view model on the server. So when you do something on the client side and click a button, we don't need to transfer the entire view model to the server because server knows it. So we can transfer only the things that really changed. Mm. And uh, in some cases... There is no data to, to send at all because you might not have changed the view model on the client side. You just click the button. So this dramatically reduces the data transfers. And basically, on most of the requests, only very small kilobytes, uh, just uh, one or two kilobytes is the typical size of, uh, of the request. So it's nothing significant. And also, the .vvm library together with Knockout.js has something like 100 kilobytes. So it's not a huge framework that you would, mm. have, to, you would have to download. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that's really smart. What are the uh, most difficult controls to convert over? Is it things like SQL data source or the data grid or what? 
Yeah, I think that it will be the data source controls because we do not have the concept of data sources in in the in the HTML files at all. So you have to fill everything uh, through the through the view model. You cannot just declare your SQL query in uh, in uh, in the page itself. So this will be most difficult to migrate. But also, it's a nice opportunity to refactor your application and to give it a better structure and make it testable because thanks to view models, you can easily write integration tests. You can just create your view model in the test, set some properties, call a method and make sure that it did what it should do. So even if the application was not written perfectly and if it it was using SQL data sources, which is not a good approach because the data access code leaks into your user interface, and there is a lot of business logic in the interface. So this migration can also be an opportunity to make proper layers in the application. So to separate business logic from user interface, basically. Yeah. So And basically, I, I've done it with a, a simple application we had. And basically, you just copy-paste the SQL commands from the SQL data source to some class uh, called something like uh, customers data service or something like that. And it's not a difficult transformation. You can just take the SQL commands and move it uh, elsewhere and then call it from review model. So it's not a rocket science. It's just uh, Mm -hmm. annoying because it takes uh, a lot of time and it's quite a boring job. But then the application is much better maintainable because you can share the queries uh, between multiple pages and you don't have to copy-paste the data sources from one page to another page. So this can, um, this can definitely help. So once you've converted all of your web forms to .vvm, what would it take to switch to .NET Core from .NET Framework? Is well, it, I mean, uh, is, it, is it a pretty straightforward process, just switching out the packages you're using? Yeah, basically, if you succeed in uh, removing everything, all, all dependencies on web forms from the application, we typically do this, the, we typically create a new project mm-hmm. next to the framework project. Okay. Then copy all the CS files and all the HTML pages and all the content. And then uh, we find out which NuGet packages are missing and okay. we install them by one by one because it uh, also allows you to clean the unnecessary dependencies which could been in the right. project. Also, because the .NET framework, there is the packages.config file which keeps all the packages and also uh, the transient dependencies. So you install one NuGet package, but there is mm-hmm. 10 packages in your packages.config because all, all, all the, uh, the entire graph of dependencies is stored there. So it's difficult to track which packages you actually need and which are just transient dependencies. So uh, that's why we do not just take all the packages and move them to the new project. We try to uh, have only the necessary, the first class dependencies. So, but but basically you can just convert the CSProj to the new format and uh, change the classic uh, package references to the new package references. And you have to change the .vvm.owen package with .vvm.asp.net core package. That's the okay. only change 
we we require for .vvm mm -hmm. and typically in the web applications there are some small tasks like the authentication because the old web forms application they are typically using the old forms authentication so uh, during this process you also need to replace it by uh, some modern mechanism like azure active directory or just cookie authentication in aspnet core but this is not a difficult transformation and uh, since uh, all the frameworks they are using the http context.user which is some interface it mm -hmm. uh, Typically, it's it's not a problem. It shouldn't break many things in the application. In web forms, you would change a web forms grid view to a .vvm grid view. Once you converted to .NET Core, would you continue to use that grid view, or do you have other controls that you would use? Yeah, after the migration from uh, .NET Framework to .NET mm -hmm. Core, the controls mm -hmm. are exactly the same. Okay. Yeah, the the only thing that is changing mm -hmm. is basically the integration of .vvm into the ASP.NET pipeline. So okay. the .vm.own and .vvm.spcore, they are very uh, tiny packages that only integrate .vvm framework with the ASP.NET Core pipeline or with the ON pipeline. Both these packages, they depend on the main .vvm package, which is same on framework and on core. So whether .vvm is running on full framework or on core, the features are matched. There's no yeah. difference. There's no difference for features that you, that you get once you switch to core. Yeah, there's uh, very few differences and basically they are uh, connected to the things which are new in ASP.NET Core and which are not present on Owen uh, at all. So there is, for example, there is the policies, for example, which are new in uh, SPNet Core. So we have a control that's called uh, Policy View, and it's supported only on SPNet Core because on Owen there is not the policies are not there. They are just users and their roles. But on SPNet Core there are also policies, but they are not on uh, .NET Framework, so we couldn't right. make this feature available right. on Owen. But we have uh, we have converted several applications and basically there were no changes in .vvm because as i said most 99% of the framework is the sa exactly the same on .net core and on .net framework i could see how that could uh, be a real benefit for developer right because once they've they've learned .vvm learned you know the the nuances the features and you could switch to .net core not not have to be left behind, so to speak, when .NET 5 comes out and just keep doing your thing. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because we already touched the, the WebAssembly topic. And mm -hmm. I think yeah. that if WebAssembly will be popular and used by everyone, and if there is a stable and reliable .NET runtime running in WebAssembly, we will just take .vvm and make it available also on the client side in the WebAssembly with the same syntax, with the same features, or with the most we can uh, give right. to the users. Because uh, to be honest, I'm doing web development for more than 15 years, and I mm -hmm. have seen about four or five different approaches to building web applications mm -hmm. during the 15 years. So it, makes, it, it means that it changes every three years. Right. And right. Uh, having something that is stable on the web for <laughs> so long, 
it's it's mm. it's kind of a miracle maybe so then you would you would have the option of doing blazer with the razor razor pages and kind of that mvc yeah. syntax or dot yeah. vvm with the kind of more i guess the the right the web form syntax or angular or react or straight javascript you, yeah. you get to pick and uh pick and choose okay yeah cool so- so is .vvm, is it free to use? Is it open source? What, what is the support like for, for this? Yeah, .vvm framework is open source. It's on GitHub. Anyone can join our team. And we are also members of the .NET Foundation, which also helps us to do to work on the development of the project. There is also extension for Visual Studio 2017 and 2019 which brings project templates, it brings IntelliSense and some other features. So it's quite convenient to use. We have also a very tiny extension for uh, VS Code, but it's uh, it don't, doesn't have many features. So I would recommend using full Visual Studio. And because developing of this framework costs money, we also have uh, commercial products so you can uh, you can check on our website. We have uh, advanced version of the Visual Studio extension with better intelligence. We have also some controls uh, and components which are alternatives, for example, to Telerik or Def Express controls. So there are some smart daytime pickers and better grid view and things like that. But most of the things you can do with the open source stuff and we have a lot of a lot of users that are using only the free stuff, so uh, the framework itself and the Visual Studio extension. Mm. So, what are you working on now for .vvm, and what's coming next? One one month ago, we have uh, released .vvm 2.4. Right now, we are preparing to .vvm 3.0, and there will be a refactoring of some areas of .vvm, the JavaScript part of .vvm. It was uh, quite messy, so we decided to rewrite it and completely refactor it. So that's uh, what uh, we are doing right now. We are also planning to allow for a more abstraction approach. Basically, because uh, we have been building a lot of uh, web applications and basically they are still the same. They are just something, I call it uh, application blocks because every page is composed from two or three high-level components. So uh, we would like to create some framework where you could declaratively say, okay, this is a page, there will be a menu on the left side, there will be some form editing this object, and possibly the contents of the form could be auto-generated by the metadata for the object, and it will be connected to some grid of some child records which belong to this object. Yeah, so something like that. Uh, maybe if you remember LightSwitch, it was a tool that was uh, created by Microsoft and then abandoned by Microsoft. It had uh, similar goals to make developing of line of business applications even easier. So this is a direction we are looking looking forward to and probably in the next versions there will be more high level components not just a grid that you have to configure yourself exactly what features you want but something more intelligent that you would specify some data source on a more abstract level and the control would automatically adapt to this this data source 
So that's uh, what we are playing with. It's still very early for this feature, but I think that it can be very interesting for people who need the rapid application development, who are doing a very a lot of very similar applications. Sounds like you're planning on right supporting and evolving uh, .vvm for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Cool. So are there notable sites that that's 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 publicly available that people can go to to see what the you know what a .vvm uh, website may look like? Or even the source code? So the source code is on uh, GitHub. Uh, if you Google for uh, for .vvm, uh, the first uh, link will be the homepage of .vvm and the second will be our GitHub. So it's github.com slash Reganti, which is the name of my company, slash .vvm. And uh, .vvm.com where you can find uh, information mostly about the commercial products. But there is uh, .vvm.com slash docs where uh, we have our documentation so that's the place uh, you can you can start and there is also a page which is called .vvm academy and there are four very simple tutorials which will go through the basic principles of .vvm so you can start with that and uh, if you want to play with .vvm and try it in a real world you can just uh, download the extension for Visual Studio and do file new project and search for .vvm and there is the .vvm project template which will create the basic project structure for you. So that's a great place to start. Are you going to be showing .vvm at any conferences coming up? I hope so. I have uh, submitted uh, some proposals, uh, so I hope that I will be selected. Of course, I hope that because we had the chance to present about the migration path for web forms uh, mm-hmm. on uh, the last .NET Conf. So I hope that on the next .NET Conf, we will also get uh, some chance to speak about .vvm because we saw a lot of interest, uh, a lot of interest from the community. Right, right. With .NET 5, I mean, I know it's what, a long ways off or a year or more. How do you see it impacting VVM and, and web forms developers? Let me start with web forms developers. I yeah. think that Microsoft announced that the .NET 5 mm-hmm. will be based on .NET Core runtime. So right. they won't start from scratch. They will just evolve .NET Core and basically they will get rid of the core word. But for web forms developers, I don't think this changes anything because it was announced that web forms will not be ported uh, to Mm -hmm. .NET Core because there's Mm -hmm. so many dependencies on IIS that it would break all the applications, basically. There will be so many changes that your application wouldn't uh, wouldn't work reliably. Mm And for .vvm, I also think that uh, not many things uh, will change. I think that it depends on how WebAssembly will work out because the Blazor client version of Blazor, it should be announced, I guess, on build or something like that. They promise Mm -hmm. some May or June or something like that. It will be the first production version. So uh, let's see uh, how it will go. Cool. I have one other question, and it's 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 kind of off topic, but um, I noticed uh, in watching some of the um, videos for .vvm on the website, for pieces of code that you're interpreting, you're using the double curly braces. Mm-hmm. Did how did you decide on that? Did that come oh, from uh, Knockout or because right, it's, it, it, we use the same curly braces in Angular all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed that, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. 
Well, the curl braces, there were, uh, we had many attempts because it took us uh, quite a long before we agreed on a syntax. And right. we found several templating engines or and libraries which were using mm-hmm. curly braces. So we decided the same thing. Also, <laughs> we took some inspiration, not only from web forms, but also from WPF, where the curly braces are used for bindings too. So we decided okay. on them. And yeah. uh, if you are binding to an attribute, you can just use one curly braces. If you are, want to print out the value anywhere in the HTML, you need to use two curly braces because in some elements, uh, single curly braces has some special meaning like in scripts or in styles. So that's why we are using double curly braces on these places. Do you guys build your own view engine um, for .vvm, is it? Or is it, is you start, have you taken it from someone else? No, we, we, we created our own uh, view engine we basically we wanted to be based on a razor, but there were a lot of fundamental differences between our uh, framework and the razor. So we had to create our own view engine. And that's also the reason uh, why we recommend uh, using the Visual Studio extension, because otherwise Visual Studio won't be able to do syntax highlighting on our HTML format, mm. which is extended sure. with the controls and things and the data bindings. Mm. A couple of years ago, I put out a survey asking people what topics they wanted us to cover on devchat.tv. And I got two overwhelming responses. One was from the JavaScript community. They wanted a React show. And the other one was from the Ruby community and they wanted an Elixir show. So we started both. The React show, though, is React Roundup. And every week, we bring in people from the React community and we have conversations with them about React, about the community, about open source, about what goes into React, how to build React apps, and what's going on and changing in the React community. So if you're looking to keep current on the current React ecosystem and what's going on in React, you definitely need to be checking out React Roundup. You can find it at reactroundup.com. Okay, if there's no other questions, we can move on to picks. Sounds good. All right. Tomas, why don't you go first? What's your pick for the show today? Well, I don't have any any specific pick, but what is incredible source of information and new and fun things for me is to follow people who are involved in .NET Foundation because typically they are authors of famous and popular .NET open source projects. So I just want to, I recently I went to the .NET Foundation website, looked to all projects that were interesting to me and started following their authors on Twitter because it uh, really helped me to get all the, all the interesting buzz from the .NET world. So this <laughs> is my pick. So what is the .NET Foundation? Is that some sort of like funding thing for open source that Microsoft has or what is it? Well, uh, they are, uh, as, as far as I'm aware, they are not funding the projects directly, but they help us with various infrastructure and also with some marketing or possibilities to speak at some events. So ba- basically, recently, they helped us setting up uh, code signing for our NuGet packages, for example. Yeah, so they can mm. provide a lot of services to .NET open source projects. Mm. As far as I know, they don't provide the funding directly. But uh, still, this is a very, very amazing group of people 
So it's uh, good to be connected to them because they have uh, answers to everything about .NET. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. All right, Caleb, you've been off for uh, a little while. You got yeah. some pick? You got a pick? Uh, you know, I could throw a couple out there, but one that, that I've been kind of gotten sucked into is a new pair of headphones. The company's called Neura, and the headphones are Neurophones, and they're, they're not cheap, right? So I didn't want to buy them outright, but they recently, within, I guess, the last year, started offering a subscription service to where if you pay a subscription, you get a, a brand new set of headphones. And as long as you continue uh, the subscription, you get to keep them and use them. So I signed up for the subscription and trying them out and loving them. So if you're in the market for a new pair of headphones that sound really good, uh, check them out. So if you're paying that subscription, do you yep. get something every once in a while? Or what's the ongoing benefit for them? Well, the, the ongoing benefit is you don't have to pay the 400 up front. And they do have giveaways and some associated stuff monthly. And every 24 months, you can get a new pair and keep the old pair. So every 24 months, you end up getting an extra pair of headphones, either they're newer product, they're coming out with a Neuro Loops, which is the smaller version, or the same product. And as long as you're paying the subscription, you'll then have two headphones. It's, it's, so, it's a good way to trial it, isn't it? Like yeah. It's, pay 15 it's, bucks sort of and try, see if it's any good. So Exactly. It's a very different model, right? Especially for headphones, mm. you know, a pricing model. But mm. um, so far, so good. I think long, uh, yeah, I'd try it, but I think long term, I probably wouldn't do the subscription. I'd, I'd trial it, and then if it's good, right. I'd just buy it, I think. So. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Uh, it's at, interesting the end of, at the end of two years, you, you paid like $360. So, you right. know, also, yeah, that's kind of good that you get another set. Keep going the next, <laughs> next two years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, all right. Why? What's, what's your pick for this week? Okay, so my pick to this week is also not very specific. My pick is the the local library, um, whichever one is you know closest to you. So, I guess recently I've been going to the library. I haven't been for years and years and years, but uh, recently because I've been the work's been sending me on uni courses and things like that. I just need like a couple of hours here and there to actually go to the library and just get some alone time. But there's actually like a ton of like free digital services yeah. uh, at most libraries, like. At Lynda.com, generally you can like get free access to it or or um, overdrive audio books yeah. and all that stuff. So there's just a ton of them, and it's you know libraries are back. You can you can you don't even have to go to the library now to to access all their all their services. So just check it out. I think so. All right. So my pick this this week is going to be all the courses on Pluralsight from Scott <laughs> Allen. So not all Pluralsight courses, but all the ones by Scott Allen. And I, I don't know if you heard. But this week, Scott Allen passed away. He was only 50 years old. Oh, he, no, he, I did not hear. Yeah, he did. I, I haven't heard the cause. But yeah, they posted out there and the obituary and all that kind of stuff. So if anybody is familiar with him and his courses, his, uh, yeah, they were really good. He's been out there for the .NET environment for quite a long time. Right. Uh, he ran the, the website Ode to Code. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Definitely check out his courses, and if you want to donate to his causes, you can look up that on the on on Google and find out where his obituary was. He talks about his causes and things like that. So definitely check those out. So Tomas, thanks for coming on the show this yeah. week. It was really great. 
I hope we have kind of set the path for people that are on web forms and they feel like that's kind of dwindling off for them and the support in the future. So it'll help them migrate and keep up and switch over to, to uh, .NET Core. So I, I really hope that is very helpful for our listeners. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I was going to say, it's great work you guys are doing. So thank you and keep it up. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. Yeah. So if people want to reach out for you, they have questions or uh, comments, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, there's a co- contact section on .vvm.com. So uh, there is our Gitter chat, uh, which you ca- where you can reach the team, anyone from the team. And also we have GitHub for submitting issues or pull requests or any kind of ideas. And also people are asking us a lot of on Stack Overflow. So we have all the links on .vvm.com. Great. Awesome. So thanks, everybody. And Thank we'll you. catch you next week on the next episode of Adventures in Dot. Oh, oh, one more thing. In case you do want to reach out to me or have questions and <laughs> comments on the show, you know, I do uh, do have Twitter. So you can reach out to me there. I am .NET Superhero. So dun, 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 dun. <laughs> thanks, guys. We'll catch Bye, you y'all. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.